Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few minutes, as usual, as always, please stay with me. It's going to be a short time of motivation, some inspiration, a whole lot of education. And as you know, we do not use any manipulation. That means we're not trying to con you into doing something. We're not trying to hustle you. We are not trying to sell you anything nor solicit anything from you. The objective of this show is simple. Give you accurate information. Information that you can process, understand, hopefully that will verify and identify the plan of God for your life. If I'm able to do that, you can orient and adjust to the plan. But my job is to be accurate, to get it right, to be faithful, to present it to you. Your job is to apply it if you desire. Remember this. It's very important that you remember this. We're studying right now for the last several Sundays. We've been studying what it is to have a soul, the soul of the individual. You know, basically, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a body which all of us can see. Some short, some tall, some wide, some skinny. Uh, you have a soul which nobody can see. That comes from God the Father himself. And you have a human spirit which no one can see. So basically, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have three parts, body, soul, and spirit. As an unbeliever, you're a bichotomous, or you have two parts, your body and soul. But you don't have that human spirit, and you're not able to have fellowship with God. As the Bible says, if we worship God, we must worship him in spirit and in truth. So it's imperative that we have a human spirit. And that human spirit that we receive at birth dies the moment we're born. The moment we're born, we're born physically alive and spiritually dead. And the reason that happens is because Adam's original sin is imputed to us at the moment of our birth. That's why the Bible says, for by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and now death has been passed upon all, for all have sinned, and the wages of sin is death. So we're born physically alive, but spiritually dead. And thus, if we want to have a relationship with God, we must be born again. But not physically. It's a spiritual birth. And that's where God the Holy Spirit comes to indwell the believer and the dead human spirit is made alive. And now we become a body, a soul, and a spirit. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a body, a soul, and a spirit. And it is that soul that possesses your mentality. It is that soul that possesses your volition or your chooser. It is your soul that possesses a self-consciousness and a conscience. This is that invisible, immortal part of you that will live on forever in a new body, a different body, a resurrection body. And that's why our Lord promised you that. But as you're here now, in your own body, your soul must live and succeed in the body that you have. And even though the power of the Holy Spirit is given to us at salvation, we still have enemies that camp around us the world, the flesh, and the devil. And uh, remember that Satan is a great deceiver. 
He will deceive you. He, he is very deceptive. And the world is a distraction. The world is always out to lure you away from the plan of God. And the flesh is the great destroyer. So we have a deceiver, a distractor, and a destroyer. And if you allow any of these to control your life, you wind up a very sick soul. And so these enemies are always trying to gain admittance, always still trying to run your life for you. But you have volition. You have a chooser. You have a choice. And at some point in your life, your volition may in fact surrender to one of these three, the world, the flesh, or the devil. Maybe you will surrender and you will commit a sin. And that sin is as obvious to you as to everyone else. It could be something like a sin of the tongue called gossiping. It could be something like an overt sin like getting drunk or having sex with someone other than your spouse, such as adultery or fornication. It could be a mental attitude sin, such as worry and fear. And you might listen to the enemy and decide all of a sudden that you're not interested in learning God's Word anymore. Maybe you've decided that there's a better way to live and you don't have time for the Bible. I cannot tell you how many people that I know and I love that want to learn God's Word, that talk about God's Word, but they will not take the time to study on a daily basis. They are much more comfortable going through the routine without any reality to it. So they, they love going to church, and yes, they'll go to church on occasion, especially on Easter and holidays, but as far as sitting down with their Bible and taking a pen and a pencil and taking notes and learning something and applying it into their life, they just don't have time to do it. The world has succeeded in capturing their mind with unbelievable distractions called family, finances, health, whatever. Listen, maybe you will become proud that you're a Christian, or maybe you'll forget that everything that Christ did for you. No matter, the soul always has enemies, and the consequences are always the same. When you use your volition to make a decision to allow the world or the flesh or the devil to capture your thoughts, then you are out of fellowship with God, and your sin nature takes control. We all have a sin nature, and the battle is always this inside of you, even this very moment as you listen to me, you are either being controlled by God the Holy Spirit, thus the Bible says you're spiritual, or you're being controlled by your old sin nature and the Bible says you're carnal. What's the difference? If the old sin nature is controlling you, there's unconfessed sin in your life. If the Holy Spirit's controlling you, there is no unconfessed sin in your life. And I know you're saying, I cannot keep up with all of my sins. No one can. That's why the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to purify us from all, that's the word again, all wrongdoing. No, you're not going to remember every sin, but there are sins you've done and you are aware of them, mental attitude sins, sins of the tongue, even overt sins, and you haven't gone to your father and admitted them. You're out of fellowship. The sin nature's in control, and your soul is sick. 
That's why sometimes you feel good and sometimes you don't because you get in fellowship and out of fellowship. Your conscience can kick into overdrive and you can feel awful. You will wish you hadn't done what you did. But once you've committed a sin, wishing you hadn't done it doesn't do any good. It doesn't do any more good than they do the unbeliever once he dies and goes to hell and says, oh, I wish I had accepted Christ. I wish I had accepted Christ. Listen, wishes is not going to cut it. Through a bad decision, you walked away from God's plan. But let's get this straight. God did not desert you. He still loves you. He still has a plan for your life. He will never desert you. He said it. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And you have a simple, wonderful grace procedure called rebound. And you can refresh your sick soul with this. You can name your sin to God. You can bounce back from the injury of your soul caused by that sin. The Bible uses several things to refer to this. In Psalm 32, 5, we're told to acknowledge our sins. In Matthew 18, 4, we're told to humble ourselves. In Romans 6, 13, we're told to present ourselves to God. In Romans 12:11, we're told to present our body as a living and holy sacrifice. In 1 Corinthians 11:31, we're told to judge ourselves. In Ephesians 4:22, we're told to lay aside the old self. So you see, the Bible talks about this all the time. We are told to make straight paths for our feet, Hebrews 12, 13. We are told to be into subjection under the Father of Spirits, Hebrews 12, 9. We are told to lay aside every weight that distracts us, Hebrews 12, 1. So there are all the warnings. And if you will use problem-solving device number one, rebound. If you will go to God and admit your sin, if you will name your sin to God, then he will be faithful and just to forgive you. You see, rebound is the solution to all sin, whereby in the thinking of your soul, you will acknowledge your sin to God the Father, not somebody else. Don't go tell your spouse. Don't go tell your preacher. Don't tell anybody. Go to God. Tell God what you did. He will forgive their sins that you name, and he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Those are the sins you've forgotten about and don't even realize are sins. And if you will do that, if you will go to God and be honest with him and admit your sin to him, you will be back in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He will control your soul, and you can recover from your human viewpoint thinking that thinking that comes with the world, the lure of the world, that people or money or circumstances can make you happy. That's not true because unhappy people take their unhappiness with them wherever they go. If you don't believe that, go to Hollywood and check them out. See, if you decide not to heed the promptings of your conscience, when your conscience prods you to rebound, when your conscience prods you to admit your sin, if you don't listen, you're going to fail God's plan. And your soul will carry the burden of the consequences of that failure. Your sin nature will command your soul until one or two things will happen. You will either admit your sin to God 
and rebound, or you will keep advancing in your sin until you die the sin unto death. Those are the only two choices. Those are the only choices. Rebound and keep advancing in your spiritual life, or stay carnal until you die the sin unto death. Now, you would think every believer would rebound, but the majority of believers that I meet, they don't even bother to learn about it, much less use it. And thus, by attempting to uh, assuage their guilt complex, attempting to manipulate God, asking for favor, they'll go to church every now and then, show up, the nod to God crowd, the casual Christian, and they think that things are right and wonderful and good and Maybe God is like the genie in the eight ball. He'll pop out and bless me. That's not going to happen. The reason you're going through what you're going through is because the hammer of God is breaking you into pieces. Is that happening? Is the hammer of God breaking you into small pieces? Then it's time you rebound. Because God is perfect righteousness. God is perfect justice. And he will punish us. When we kick out the Holy Spirit, so to say, when we say, I don't want you controlling my life anymore. I want to sin. I want my old son nature to control my life. If that happens, when we retreat from our spiritual battlefield, then the discipline that God puts into our life serves as a wake-up call. His punishment serves the additional purpose of encouraging us to rebound and renounce our sin. I mean, come on, if he hit a mule enough times with a two-by-four, he might eventually decide to move. And I'm telling you, God will strike you mightily until you wake up, until you rebound, until you move ahead towards spiritual discernment and eventually maximum glorification of God. You're a Christian. You're a child of God. Why are you acting like that? Why are you cluttering around, puttering around in the world? Why have you walked away from your spiritual life? Why have you given such a small attention to God, the very God that saved you, the very God that gave you eternal life? Why have you turned your back on him? The solution is for you to rebound. That's the number one solution. And all other divine solutions depend on that to start with. You can understand Satan's unrelenting attempt to convince you that it's just a little sin and it doesn't matter and it can't really be a sin anyhow. Or maybe you might as well just wait until the day's over and you finish sinning before you even confess this one. Well, which may or may not be a sin, he'll tell you. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. If you feel the twinge of your conscience and it tells you you have sinned, then God the Holy Spirit is graciously prodding you. He wants you to awaken to your failure. He wants you to listen to your conscience. and He wants you to name that sin to God immediately. In the privacy of your thinking, to agree with God that what you did was wrong. You see, rebound is a wonderful thing. If we confess our sin, that's a third-class condition. If means maybe you will and maybe you won't. And the word confess is a compound word. It's from two words. 
to say the same is what it comes from. Homo legeo, homo the same, and legeo to say. So the Greek word homo legeo means to say the same. So when I say confess your sin, I'm not telling you to get up in front of the church. That's the last thing you need to do because all the busybodies in the church would love to hear about what you've been doing. And I'm not telling you to go to the pastor. He doesn't need to be cluttered up with your, your confession. I'm telling you to go to God and admit to God your sin, and he will be faithful to forgive you. Are you still breathing? Are you still alive? Doesn't it make sense that God still has a plan for you? If he didn't, would you even still be here? I don't care what you've done in the past. I don't care how far down the road you've fallen. You slipped and slid all the way into reversionism. Now, when you used to be a halfway decent Christian, now you're way down the road and God is in your rearview mirror and you haven't stopped to look back yet. It's time for you to put the brakes on. It's time for you to name your sin to God the Father. Because if you don't do that, you will never re-enter the spiritual life. You must name your sin. And then, once you name it, isolate it. Isolate it. I mean, don't add sins such as bitterness and anger and self-pity and guilt to the original sin that you did to start with. And, and then forget about it. Forget it. Once you've confessed your sin to God, don't keep worrying about it. Put it out of your mind and move on in your spiritual life. Listen, name your sin to God, 1 John 1, 9. Isolate your sin, Hebrews 12, 15. Forget your sin, Philippians 3, 13. And then move on in your spiritual life, Philippians 3, 14. See, now that you're back in fellowship, now that the Holy Spirit's back in control, keep learning and keep utilizing the Word of God. This is what got you in trouble to start with. You quit learning the Word of God. You would not take time to discipline yourself to listen to the teaching of the Word of God. Listen to what Paul said, how he rejoiced to the Corinthian believers that used rebound. He said, I rejoice now not because you were made sad, in other words, because of the discipline, but because you were distressed as God would have it, and it resulted in a change of mind, resulting in the way of thinking, which led you to a decision to rebound. For the sadness as God would have had it produces a change of mind, resulting in deliverance, that's from the anguish of being out of fellowship. But the distress that the world brings about death does not. Listen. That's first that's actually second Corinthians seven nine. The world and following the world, living in the world, brings the sin unto death if we don't rebound. But if we rebound, if we recover, if we resume our spiritual life, and you are guaranteed that you can buy time, you can redeem the time. But unless you stay in fellowship with God, unless you allow God the Holy Spirit to control your life, you're going to build up a big, stinking 
pile of garbage called human viewpoint thinking and it will harden your soul you'll get hard Ephesians 4.18 talks about scar tissue on the soul and then your body you get enough scar tissue then you will rot under the sin unto death rebound or recovery from your sin is not inevitable because it's always a matter of your very own volition and if you're like me we can be pretty downright stupid especially once sin gets its claws into our soul yep we can and yep often we do not choose to name our sin to God the Father and when we don't do that then there's no other solution Listen, I assure you, God never gets tired of hearing your confession. He never gets tired of forgiving the sins that you acknowledge to him. Paul said, where sin increases, grace increases all that much more. So how can a soul, which at the moment of salvation is filled with the Holy Spirit, and living the spiritual life, how can that soul slide into the void of darkness? Well, the answer is sin and evil, lack of rebound, lack of recovery, lack of allowing the Holy Spirit to control your life. When you rebound, when you get back in fellowship, when you put the Holy Spirit back in control, then all the human viewpoint stinky garbage can be slowly replaced by the Word of God in your soul, biblical knowledge, and the focus of your soul will be limited to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And slowly, you can heal your soul. I'm telling you, if your soul has been damaged, it will take a while to heal it. As with any healing, it'll be painful at first. I'm thinking about a young man that, that I had a ministry to that had gotten into drug addiction and decided that he wanted to rebound and try to get out. And uh, as we began to deal with him, we found he could only concentrate a few moments at a time. His mind had so much clutter, so much garbage, so much scar tissue. And so as he began to study God's Word, maybe only 10 minutes a day, and then maybe in two weeks we got him up to 30 minutes a day, and eventually he could sit down and concentrate for an hour. I'm going to ask you that question. Could you sit down with a notebook, with your Bible, and turn on a tape or a DVD or an MP3 and listen to someone teach you the Bible for one hour, could you do that? Or would your mind be all over the place? Would you be thinking about what you need to do over with the kids or what you need to do down at work or what you want to do over here? Can you focus? Because if you can't focus, you can't grow. You cannot grow if you can't focus. And the only way you're going to be able to focus is to allow the Holy Spirit to empower you to do it. You know, you've got to make some gut-wrenching decisions in life. You have to remove yourself from the temptations, the old friends, the old hangouts, you know, the tantalizing habits that you're used to doing. And healing a soul that's been injured takes some time. But above all, it takes determination. I'm trying to lose some weight, and it takes determination. When my friends sit down and eat cake and pie and ice cream, I can't say, oh, well, let me just have a little bite. I have to say, no, I can't eat any of that.
When my friends say, you want a cold Coca-Cola or a cold drink, I have to say no. It takes determination. And I am not perfect. But listen, none of us are going to get anywhere spiritually if we don't have some determination. That's our volition. It takes you determining that you will, number one, stay filled with the Holy Spirit by using rebound, problem-solving device number one, and then number two, you will consistently listen to somebody teach you the Bible. Not just once a week, not just twice a week, but daily. And that's why you hear me always keep harping about getting under the authority of a qualified pastor that can teach you God's Word. You can get tapes, DVDs, MP3s, and listen at home and learn if you want to. But most of the time, the distractions are too great. First it was one kid, now it's two, now it's three children, and now it's a spouse that wants attention. And you say to yourself, when am I ever going to be able to study? Yeah, that's the question. When? When? You think you might have to get up a little early in the morning or stay up a little late at night, but whatever it takes, it takes determination. The immediate solution to your sin is to rebound, but the long-term solution takes determination. I'm going to push the darkness of this human thinking out of my soul, and I'm going to let in the sweet light of the truth of God's Word. You do that. You have that type of determination. And you will be an invisible hero in God's plan. You will grow. You will glorify God. And you will become a, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> you will become what we call a winner believer. Listen, even David in the Old Testament sinned. And he sinned mightily. And but he recovered. You can recover from any sin you've done. You can recover. It's not too late. All you have to do is go to God and admit it. Go to God as David did in Psalm 38, where he said, I confess my iniquity. I am hurting because my sin is always in front of me. Take your Bible. Read Psalm 38, verses 1 through 18, and see if that sounds like you. David's carnality harmed his body and harmed his soul equally, and he underwent discipline from God. God's justice dealt with him, just like God's justice would deal with you. You cannot hide sin from God. He sees it. He knows about it. And he can turn the disaster you've made out of your life into blessing if you will let him. But you must let him. Nobody can do it for you. You have to make the decision. I'm going to rebound and admit my sin to God, and I am determined to grow spiritually. When you're ready, you let me know. I'll tell you how to do it, who to listen to, and how you can start growing and become the person that you want to be. But you must make the decision. Until next week, this is your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for listening to The Floodline. Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, 
Cropwell, Alabama, 35054. Or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.